The following message is brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity and was recorded at Westminster Chapel in Toronto. To learn more about the Ezra Institute's mission to declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ over every area of life, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a creed him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the, to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, my brothers and sisters. Before we consider God's word together, let's pray and ask that he would give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Our gracious Heavenly Father, it is a joy and a privilege to gather here this evening in the name of your Son, Jesus, And we have just heard his teaching. We have just heard the word of God read to us. And we pray now that as we consider it together, the same spirit who inspired these words would write them upon our hearts. Give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying to us through your word. And may we respond in obedience and faith. For we ask it through Christ our Lord. It says sermon notes at the top. If you didn't, there are some extra ones just around there, and um, you know, if your parents just want to hop up and just go over there and get one, uh, they can. That's okay, and that just might help you as you're as you're listening to the sermon. Just follow along. There's a key verse there that I want you to write down. So that's Matthew 25, verse six. And as you're listening to the sermon, listen to the what I say about the wise virgins. And how the wise virgins were ready for the bridegroom. And each one of us needs to be ready for the bridegroom. And even at your young age, you need to be ready for the bridegroom. So this is the second Sunday of Advent. And Advent is a season of preparation. And we may think it's, it's simply a season of preparation for Christmas. Uh, it's a time to get ready for the celebration of the coming of Christ, the celebration of the birth of Christ. But Advent is actually a season which is focused on not the first coming of Christ and a preparation for the celebration of the first coming of Christ. It's a season when we are anticipating the second coming of Christ. We're looking forward to his Advent. And here we've just heard a parable where Jesus tells us about that time, that day, the arrival of the bridegroom. And he tells us about two Virgin, uh, two sets of virgins, the, the foolish virgins who aren't ready 
and the wise virgins who are ready for the bridegroom. And in the season of Advent, we're reminded that we are a people who are waiting, and we are people who are called to be ready. And when we hear the voice, behold, the bridegroom is here, we will be ready to go out and to meet him. And this is a parable that Jesus told. It's in a a series of parables that he told uh, just in the, the last week before his death and resurrection. And in that time, he was talking a lot about the future. He was talking about uh, the, the second coming of Christ and the end of all things. And he told a number of parables to help us understand that time and what it means for us as those who are waiting for that time. And here he tells us this parable about basically a bridal party. These ten virgins are a bridal party. And they are waiting for the arrival of the bridegroom at the wedding feast. And he tells us that the bridegroom will be delayed. And that those in the bridal party, and that's us, we're the ones in the bridal party, need to be ready. We need to be ready for the arrival of the bridegroom. And as we listen to Jesus' parables, sometimes when Jesus tells parables, he gives fairly detailed explanations of the parables. So the first parable that he told was the parable of the soils, or sometimes called the parable of the sower. And you'll remember that he told that parable and his disciples didn't quite understand what it meant. And afterwards, he took them aside and he explained to them the meaning of the parable. He explained to them the meaning of the seed. It's the word of God and the meaning of the different kinds of soils in which the seed was sown. And what those signified, what those represented. And so sometimes our Lord will will explain the details of the parable and give us the meaning of those parables. Last week, we considered a very short parable where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And he compares us to a lampstand. He has placed us as a lampstand where we are so that we might give light to those around us. The lampstand gives light to everyone who's in the house. And then Jesus explains the significance of that light. He says, let your light shine so that when others see your good works, they will glorify your Father in heaven. So he tells us what the light signifies. It signifies our good works. So we know that. It's important that we recognize in this parable that he's just told us, he doesn't give us an explanation or an interpretation of the details of the parable. And we need to recognize that. So yes, there are, there are ten virgins. There are ten women in the bridal party. Uh, five are foolish. They don't make it into the, the marriage feast. Five are wise. Uh, they do make it into the marriage feast. Now, we don't conclude from that that 50% of us here are not going to make it in the end. Uh, He's not telling us of that, so we go and do a a mathematical calculation and think, oh boy, like half of us here are not going to make it. That's not the point. And so when we're we're reading this parable, we just need to be careful that we we shouldn't be seeking to discover the, the significance and the meaning of the different details of the parable. And really, the point of the parable is threefold. First of all, Jesus tells this parable to warn us that his coming, his second coming, will be delayed. So there will be a time of waiting. And secondly, he tells us that we therefore need to be ready, and the wise virgins were ready. Even even though the, the groom was delayed, they were ready. And we need to consider that. Okay, what is it about the wisdom of the wise virgins? What, what do we see in their wisdom? We need to hear that. And then a promise that those who are ready will go with the bridegroom into the wedding feast and the door will be shut and they will be with him. There's a promise 
in this parable. So that's what I want to consider. The delay of the coming of the bridegroom, the wisdom of the wise virgins who were ready for him, and the marriage feast itself. So first, the delay of the bridegroom. Now, Jesus is telling this story, this parable, because he knows that everyone's been to a wedding. Everyone listening to him in that first century audience would have been to a wedding. They would have uh, experienced that, and they knew what he was talking about. And if he were here today, he would probably tell a similar parable, but it just may be a bit different in the emphasis or the details because our celebration of weddings today are different than the way that weddings were celebrated in the ancient world in the first century. And of course, for us today, the moment of anticipation, the one for whom we are waiting, is not the bridegroom, but the bride. We're waiting for the arrival of the bride. And yes, sometimes the bride is delayed. And I've officiated weddings where, you know, I'm getting text messages and they're saying we're here or there's this hiccup and we're coming, it's okay. And I can see the congregation is waiting and they're kind of checking their watches and they're starting to wonder, okay, what's going on? The bride is delayed. In the ancient world, it was the other way around. It was the groom that people waited for. And these ten virgins are part of the bridal party. And they had a role to play in, in the drama of the wedding ceremony and the wedding custom. And they were to wait for the bridegroom to come. And their role was to, when they saw him coming and they heard the cry, of, uh, the cry here is the bridegroom. They, they would go out, they would meet the bridegroom, and then they would join him in a, in a jubilant procession into the wedding feast. And they needed to be prepared for this role. And they were. We have, we have ten bridesmaids. Uh, yes, we find, uh, we, we learn that five are foolish and five are wise, but this is the bridal party. There's ten of them. And they're all prepared for some delay. So they were probably waiting throughout the day for the arrival of the bridegroom, but they knew he may be delayed. It may be nightfall by the time he arrives. So they've all got lamps. All ten of them have brought lamps with them. So they're ready. And sure enough, night, night falls. And so they all light their lamps. However, the five wise bridesmaids, they bring oil. Because they, they know the bridegroom might really be delayed. He may not come till late into the night. And we need to be prepared for that. What if it's late in the night? We need to have oil to make sure that, we, that our lamps are, are lit and we can go out and meet him and come back into the marriage supper, the marriage feast. So those listening to Jesus would have understood you know, the significance of what he was talking about. They, they knew what weddings were like and they knew about those that had to wait for the bridegroom. Now the reason he tells this parable is because he's warning us that the coming of the groom, the coming of the bridegroom will be delayed. There's going to be a time of waiting. And we need to be ready. And we need to persevere in the waiting. There's perseverance that's needed for the people of God. And the Apostle Peter tells us why the Lord delays. He tells us why the bridegroom is delayed in his coming. We read this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Peter writes... But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So first of all, we recognize that 
our sense of time isn't the same as the Lord's sense of time. From the perspective of heaven, a thousand years down here is just like a day. So, yes, we've been waiting 2,000 years for the coming of our Lord. From the perspective of heaven, as, as the Lord accounts time, it's just been two days. So Peter continues, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. There's a reason for the delay of the bridegroom. And that reason is that we might come to repentance, that we might come to salvation. Now, each one of us is gathered here today, or this evening, and my, my hope and my prayer is that we, we all know the groom. We all know the Lord Jesus. We love him. We put our faith in him. We know that he's our Lord. He's our Savior. And we are thankful this evening that he delayed his coming. Because now we're included. Now we will participate in that future wedding supper. We're thankful for his delay. We're glad that he delayed. Because it meant we're in. We get to be a part of it now. So we, we actually rejoice and we're thankful that the bridegroom was delayed. But the delay calls on us to endure, calls on us to be ready, calls on us to be watching. And this is the significance of, of the wise bridesmaids. They were ready for a delay. They were ready for the bridegroom to come, yes, late in the night. And so they not only brought the lamps, all ten of them brought lamps, but they also brought oil in case the bridegroom didn't come for a long time. Now, I mentioned before that we, we might read this parable and think, okay, what's the significance of the lamps? And what's the significance of trimming the lamps? And what's the significance of the oil? And as you take a step back and just look at the grand story of Scripture, I mean, first of all, the, the imagery of marriage is rich and woven throughout the tapestry of Scripture. And from beginning to end, there's this metaphor of God's people as his bride and as the Lord as the husband. And as we come into the New Testament, the church is the bride and Christ is the husband. So there is that, that rich marriage imagery in Scripture. And also, as we saw last week, the, the significance of the lamp, the light, that's our good works. And many times in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is often signified with this image of oil. So I would say it's quite natural for us to look at this and think, okay, what's the meaning of the oil and the light? And uh, the oil represents the anointing, the presence of the Spirit. And we need the Spirit. And this is what distinguishes the wise from the foolish bridesmaids. The wise bridesmaids had the oil. They were filled with the Spirit. They were born again. And that light, that light persevered. The light didn't go out. And I think that's fine if we read that there and understand that. But the main purpose of Jesus telling this story is that the wise were ready. They were ready. They were prepared. And he says at the end, therefore watch. And so we can't miss the, the, the main point of the parable, which is we need to be ready and we need to be watching. Now, what does it mean that they were ready? What does it mean that they were prepared? This is their wisdom. They were wise because they were ready. Now, we might think, well, they were just a bit more practical. You know, they had more foresight. They, they brought the oil. The others didn't bring the oil. 
And we might think this is kind of like uh, people who had the foresight to put their snow tires on their car back in November. And so that first snowfall, they were, they were ready. They were ready for that first snowfall. And, you know, no problem. They're going up the hills while, you know, others of us are slipping and sliding all over the place. We're the foolish drivers. They're the wise drivers. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's that, the, the case that the wise bridesmaids were, were simply just a bit more practical, a bit more prudent, and they planned ahead better. Now, we might also interpret this, though, to mean, okay, you need, you need to be ready for the coming of Christ. We need to be prepared for the coming of Christ. The parable that Jesus just told before this parable also dealt with the, the question of the delay. At this, time, this time, it was the delay of the king coming. And in, in that parable, he, he warns us that there are some servants of the king will think, oh, he's not coming for a long time. Uh, we can just kind of hang out and relax, and we can get away with a bit of stuff because we know he's not going to come. And they're caught off guard. And so we might think, oh, okay, we've just read that parable. So now we're gonna, we're, we hear about these wise bridesmaids. And this means we, we have to make sure that we are ready. We have to make sure that we are prepared. This is a call to lead uh, a very strict, rigorous, disciplined, religious life. And I think of someone like John Wesley. Uh, before he was born again, before he came to a saving knowledge of Christ, This was a man committed to religious exercise. He formed a little group of students at the University of Oxford, and they gave themselves this name. They weren't very popular, I have to say. They called themselves the Holy Club. You know, we are the Holy Club. And other students from Oxford, we have their letters that they wrote back to their parents, and they talk about these these guys in the Holy Club. Uh, John Wesley, Charles Wesley, George Whitfield was even a part of that group. And he writes, uh, this other student writes to his father and he says, you know, there's this group called the Holy Club. It's led by one of their tutors, that's John Wesley. And he says, you know, they get up before the sun rises and they're praying and they're singing psalms to one another and they're reading spiritual books. And then they spend every waking moment of their days doing some sort of uh, good work. And, you know, they, he says they, they take communion once a week. And he's shocked at that because at the time you might take communion once a year. So they, they saw these guys as um, uh, extreme. And in some ways, yes, they were extreme. But Wesley, as he understood the Christian life, saw it as, hey, we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. If, if the Lord comes back today, what's he going to find me doing? He's going to find me ministering to somebody in prison. He's going to find me up at 5 a.m. Uh, singing the Psalms. I'm going to be ready. And we might think this is a call for us to engage in some sort of monastic ascetic, rigorous, spiritual life. Now, certainly, we are called to be a people who are committed to daily uh, reading and study of God's word, daily prayer, committed to gathering together to worship, committed to coming to the Lord's table. That's part of the rhythm of our everyday lives. But it's significant that we are told both the foolish and the wise bridesmaids slept. And when, the, when night fell, you know, they, let their, they, they lit their lamps. They wanted to have their lamps lit and ready. And you can imagine as the, as the, as the hours passed, and they're kind of watching the flame of their lamp, they got drowsy, we're told. And they slept. And they all slept. And the distinction between the wise and the foolish in this case is not some of them slept and some of them stayed awake. And the ones who were awake were ready for the bridegroom. That's not the case. 
And so here I think it's important that we recognize that the Lord, the Lord has placed us where we are and expects that we live our day-to-day lives. We live our lives faithfully in our families. We live our lives faithfully at our work. We, we sleep when we need it. We rest when we need it. That's okay. Think of what David says in Psalm 103 as he's remembering the Lord's benefits. And then he speaks of God as our Father. He has compassion on us. And there David says, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Our Lord knows our frame. He knows that we need sleep. He knows that we need rest. In speaking of the Messiah, the prophet Isaiah said, A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. The Lord recognizes our frailty, he recognizes our weakness, and he expects that we live a a normal rhythm of our day-to-day lives. So this isn't a call to some sort of extreme religious, you know, I'm going to stay up all night praying and make sure that I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. That's not the readiness. So what is the readiness then? How is it, uh, why, why was it that the, the wise bridesmaids were ready, whereas the foolish bridesmaids were not ready? What was the difference? And I would say this is the difference between the two. The foolish bridesmaids, they had a, they had a role. They recognize their role. We're part of this whole wedding celebration. We're bridesmaids. We know what we need to do for that. We know what the, we know what's, what the responsibility is, the expectation. So they, were, they, they had their lamps, and they recognized their, their role and their part to play. But the wise bridesmaids brought extra oil, a flask of oil. And the reason they brought that flask of oil it's not because they simply they knew they had a job to do and they had a certain responsibility as bridesmaids. They brought that oil because they wanted to make sure that whenever the bridegroom came, they would be ready and they would go out and they would meet him there. They didn't want to miss him. They longed for his coming. They trusted that he was going to come. And they prepared because they, they didn't want to miss it. And they, they longed for that time when they would hear the cry. And it's a wonderful moment in the parable. Behold, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. They longed to hear that. They were excited to hear that. They were anticipating hearing that. And they brought oil because they, they didn't want to miss it. And they wanted to be ready to go out with their lamps lit and their lamps trimmed and meet him. And they looked forward to it with an eager longing to meeting the bridegroom. Walking with him in jubilant procession into that wedding feast. They couldn't wait for it. And they weren't going to miss it for anything. That's why they were ready. And that's what distinguishes the the foolish from the wise bridesmaids. And it's a question to us this evening. Do we have that same eager longing and expectation? Do do we, as the Apostle Paul says, he speaks of those who love his appearing. Do we do we love his appearing? Do we long to see him? Are we are we grounded in, in a in a in a faith and a trust of who he is, in a belief in the promise that he's coming, and we don't want to miss it. 
We want to make sure that we're there on that day. We want to make sure that we go out to greet him. And let's remember what Jesus says to his disciples at the Last Supper. You remember in John's Gospel, John tells us that Jesus had a lot to say at that Last Supper. They're sitting around the supper table and Jesus is talking with them. And he's assuring them and he's comforting them. He starts to speak about the Holy Spirit and the promise of the coming Spirit. And he says to them, and they've been with him for three years or so, and uh, they know him. They know his love. Uh, John quite beautifully begins that account of the Last Supper by saying, And Jesus, who loved his own, loved them to the end. It's a wonderful statement. And then he bent down and he washed their feet. And as he was speaking to them at that Last Supper, he said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And then this is what it means to abide in his love. He says this in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And there's a similar exhortation, a similar statement made in the book of Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. And in John's vision, he's just seen a vision of the judgment of those who follow the beast. And after reporting that vision, there's then a word given to those who are the followers of the Lamb. An angel says this, Here is a call for the endurance of the saints. And that's what this parable is about. It's a call to endurance. It's a call for waiting. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints. And who are the saints? We're told. Those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Now, these are the wise virgins. They are those, first of all, that know the love of the Son. They know the love of the Father for the Son. And as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. They know that love. That's why they are so eagerly longing for the arrival of the bridegroom. They know his love. And they are those who keep faith in the bridegroom. They keep faith in Jesus. They trust him because they know him. And the evidence of that faith and the evidence that they abide in that love is they keep his commandments. And so if we are to be among the wise bridesmaids, we are those who we know the love of Christ. We keep faith in Jesus. And we are those that in the simple rhythm of day-to-day life, keep his commands. We follow him. That's the wisdom of the wise bridesmaids. We do have the the, the very strong contrast, though, of the foolish bridesmaids. And this is tragic. They wake up, they trim their lamps, and you you can imagine, have you ever seen a candle? That's not going to happen tonight. You've seen a candle kind of go out, you know, it just starts to flicker and flicker and flicker and then it's gone. There's that little kind of, little bit of red there and then it's out. And that was these foolish bridesmaids. Their lamps went out. They weren't abiding in the love of Christ. They weren't keeping faith in him. They weren't obeying his commands. The light went out. And when they turn to the wise bridesmaids, the, bride, the wise bridesmaids aren't being harsh here when they say, no, we can't give any to you. Because they recognize if we give it to you, we're all going to run out. 
None of us will, will go out to meet the bridegroom. But also, they said that because my faith in Christ and the, the love of Christ that I know and in which I abide, I can't give that to you. I can't pass that on to you and make it yours. And this is a warning to those of you here, and I'm, I'm looking at the, the young people, some of you that have grown up in church. You very well may be among the foolish bridesmaids because you're here. You've been with us a long time. And you've, you've got your lamps, and uh, you, you go to church, and you've, you've learned the right things about who God is, and you've, you, you know what the gospel is, and uh, you, you agree with that. Yeah, I, I believe Jesus died for my sins. Yes, I believe that. But you, you don't actually have that faith in Christ. You don't actually know his love. In other words, you're unconverted. Remember a few weeks ago, talking about being born again. You haven't been born again. And it's not enough just to say, well, I've grown up in the church and my parents are believers. And that's not enough. Your parents' faith is not going to save you. Other people's faith in this church is not going to save you. And as they are gone, the bridegroom comes and they miss him. And they go to that wedding feast and the door is closed. And they knock on the door and they cry out. And they hear these words from the Lord Jesus. Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Those are terrifying words. And I pray that none of you here this evening will be among those who on that day will be outside of the wedding supper and will hear our Lord say to you, truly I say to you, I do not know you. And that means tonight. Tonight you hear the voice of the bridegroom. Tonight he's with us. As we heard from John chapter 20. He comes in among his people. He says, peace be with you. Tonight, turn to him. Tonight, put your your faith in him. Know that as the Father has loved the Son, he loves you. And we know that love because he laid down his life for us. And think of what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what the wise bridesmaids say. The life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself for us. So that's the word of judgment in this parable, the word of warning in this parable. But for those who know the love of God in Christ, for those who keep his commandments, who keep faith in Jesus, there's that wonderful statement that they went out with him. They met him. And they went with him into the marriage supper. And the door was closed. And just as terrifying, as it is terrifying for those who are outside, so it is comforting and reassuring for us who have met the bridegroom, who go in with him to the marriage supper. Because that closed door is a door that is closed to the darkness. It is a door that is closed to eternal damnation. It is is a door that is closed to hell. 
And on that day, that door will be closed and we will be with him forever. And we will celebrate that feast. And even now, those who know and love the Lord, Je- know and love the Lord Jesus, we have that same security. We know that he has taken us into his hand. Nothing will snatch us out of his hand. He's taken us to himself as his bride. And he is a faithful husband. He does not break his vows. He has said, I will have you and hold you. He will have us. He will hold us. He will love us and cherish us to the end. And this is, this is the hope of the gospel. That, yes, we need to be ready. Yes, we're waiting. We need to be ready. But we also know that our Lord Jesus is a faithful husband who makes us ready. He washes us with his word. He loves us. He nourishes us. He cherishes us. He will present us to himself on the last day in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And on that day, we will hear, as we read in the book of Revelation, this declaration, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And as you read through the book of Revelation, uh, if you know the book, there's lots of sevens. Seven this, seven that, seven, seven, seven. And that's significant. The number seven signifies completion, perfection. And as you read through the book of Revelation and, and you are listening, you'll hear the word blessed seven times. There are seven benedictions. There's a sevenfold benediction in the book of Revelation. And within those seven blessings, the one right in the middle, number four, is this blessing. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we will know that blessing in its fullness, in its glory on the last day. But we already know that blessing even now. And every Sunday when we come to this table, this is an anticipation of that future wedding supper. And you'll remember that our Lord said to us, whenever you eat this bread... Do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you, whenever you drink from this cup, drink it in remembrance of me. And he said that because he wanted us to remember not just what he had done, his death, his resurrection. He wants us to remember that he's with us even now. Remember me. And he said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, Behold, look, see this. It's a command. Look, see I'm with you until the end of the age. I'm with you until the end of the age. Uh, He's with us in these days. And we don't know what the next few weeks or months will hold for us. But we know he's with us. He'll lead us through this. And you'll remember on that first day of the week, the day of resurrection, when he was walking with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And when they arrived in Emmaus, it was the end of the day. It was the evening, just like now. And they invited him to stay. And he became the host of that meal. And Luke tells us that he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And that's an exact repetition of what we have just heard, if we're reading Luke's gospel, in the account of the Last Supper. Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And remember what we're told, that when Jesus took the bread, their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And then he disappeared. But they went and told the disciples how their hearts were warmed as he opened the scriptures to them on the way and how they recognized him in the breaking of bread. And yes, we are 
the wise bridesmaids who are looking ahead and we're watching for the coming of the bridegroom. But we're also those who already dwell in the presence of the bridegroom and have eyes to see him in our midst. And so let's come now to the Lord's table with our eyes open. Therefore, watch, he says. Let's come to this table now with our eyes open, knowing that our Lord, our faithful bridegroom, is with us even now. This message has been brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please feel free to share this content, but do not charge for it or alter it in any way without the express written consent of the EICC. For more resources, please visit ezrainstitute.ca.